0: And the good news is I don't have a long lesson today. It is the first Sunday of the year, and, and I think it's a good opportunity just to sort of make a, make a quick point, uh, be a not, maybe not quick, but a specific point, talk about it, and then let you guys go and get your year kicked off uh, in a new way. And so if I haven't said it yet before, I'm Joe Collins. Welcome to See Me Church, and I want to wish all of you a very happy new year, happy new decade. I guess, right? And it is just great to be back together after the holidays. I want to thank our worship uh, leaders, uh, the the song leaders especially, for sort of reminding us to just sing with our voices to God. That's always a a good thing. Also, if, uh, um, also, I wanted to, sorry, I also wanted to thank. Uh, those that came up and shared, Bonnie and and, uh, Glenn, for leading us in that great uh, communion and prayer time. I thought that was really encouraging. And I was sitting in the audience just enjoying the fact that we spent a whole five, six minutes just talking about prayer and then praying. I just thought that was great. Something we started doing last year, and I'm really grateful uh, that we've been doing that. So I want to thank Aaron. Aaron Henderson, our newest intern. Did a great job last week. And uh, He reminded us that God is God of the seasons, but he's also the God of our calendar. But what I want to do today is I want to return us back to uh, the introductory lesson I did in December last year, uh, in the first part of December, about... Uh, the church. You might remember I introduced that uh, we were going to do this series, that we were going to kick it off in January, that it would be a series that we would sort of revisit whenever uh, is necessary. But certainly in the month of January, I think we're going to stick with it for a little bit. And when I say the church, I'm not only focusing on what we call the church universal or the church as we read it in the Bible. I I really want to direct our thoughts, not only from there uh, on that, but also on our church, on See Me Church. Because I think it's really important that we spend time talking about us and who we are. And specifically today, I want to talk about what do we believe at See Me Church. Now, this could be a long lesson. I could go on about a lot of things because we probably believe a lot of things. But I'm really wanting to distill it into the nugget, the kernel. What is at the core of what we believe? And that's what I want to talk about for the next few Sundays. So There's this high school, it's local to me in the San Fernando Valley, actually, and I'm sure other high schools do this, but they have this cheer, and the cheer goes, uh, there's there's a cheerleader, and the cheerleader stands, and they stand in front of the student section at whatever game, basketball, football, and the guy says, I believe, and then the student body says, I believe, and then he says, I believe that, and the student body says, I believe that, and then he says, I believe that we... And the student body echoes, I believe that we. And then all of a sudden, all at once, they all go crazy and they say, I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. And it's a great cheer. And to give you a sense of the energy and of the enthusiasm, I have a video clip of a local high school doing this cheer in in their uh, basketball arena. And I just want you to see it because it's really, really full of energy and inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. Presses me about that video. I know the audio is not great, so I wanted you to understand what was going on there. But man, imagine being in that arena when that happens. It's incredible. I mean, it just, the whole place just shakes. And what's cool about it is after they do it a bunch of times, they really believe they're going to win. And they really believe that their team is going to win. I mean, it just, it just elevates everybody's faith in that arena. And they'll do it in between at timeouts and at certain breaks during the game. And it's really Quite cool. It got me thinking about our team, the church, Simi Church. And what would our cheer be? What would get us on our feet? Hopping up and down. I believe that we, I believe that we. What would that cheer be? That's what I want to talk about today. Acts chapter 2. Before we read, let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to be together this morning and for another new year and I pray for your spirit to meet with us this morning. Speak to each and every one of us and help us to draw closer to you and to get connected to you. And and God, to be able to answer that phrase, what, what do we believe? I believe that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound, like a blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire That separated came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Now, before I go any further, I want to review what we talked about last December because a lot has happened since then. A new year and decade has gone on in between that time and now. And it all started with Acts chapter 2, one of the most uh, important uh, chapters in all of the Bible. It records the birth of the church, not Simi Church, but the church universal. It's the beginning of the Christian church. Of course, as Simi Church, we are a part of that church. Now, the world didn't know it at the time. This was way back in the first century A.D., somewhere between 30, 33 A.D., depending on what calendar you use. But the world didn't know it at this time. But in, 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 in terms of making a mark on human history, there's perhaps no greater moment than Acts chapter 2 and the birth of the Christian church. I mean, if you think about it for a minute, no single event has affected world events more and continues to affect the world more than that moment some 2,000 years ago. It happened on Shavuot, what the Greeks referred to as Pentecost. It was a Jewish holiday that celebrated the giving of the Ten Commandments, or what what Bible people would say, the Law of Moses. The Jews would say, Law of Moses. Some 1,500 years before Acts chapter 2. So if we add that all up, some, some 3,500 years ago. Verse seven, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthian, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors to Rome, both Jews and converts from Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Somehow, we made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. So on that day, at that celebration some 2,000 years ago on Pentecost or Shavuot, thirty thirty-three AD, there in the city of Jerusalem, there were from all over the civilized world Jews, pious Jews, who had traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate this holiday. That was the custom back then. You went to Jerusalem to celebrate Shavuot or to Pentecost. And so pious Jews or Jews who wanted to sort of renew their faith, they would make the journey wherever they lived, days, weeks, and they would go there and they would celebrate Shavuot and they would recommit themselves to God and to the law and to their identity as Jewish people and the Jewish nation. And it was a great celebration. Well, on this particular Shavuot, In 30, 33 AD, somewhere in that time frame, a group of Jesus followers were there in the city. They were together when suddenly some crazy things, miraculous things, very unusual and unexplained things started to happen. For one, there was this thunderous noise that seemed to come from inside the house that they were in. For, 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 secondly, there was this lightning or fire that came from heaven and, and seemed to hover over their heads and flashed around them. And thirdly, there were these, there were these vocalizations of languages that, had, that they had not previously known or were able to speak. These are some pretty dramatic and overt miracles or signs, you might say, that were occurring so much so that people from all over the city in Jerusalem at the time, other pilgrims who were there celebrating Shavuot, they wandered over to the to the sound of the noise. They were drawn to it, and they they started a, this big crowd gathered around, literally in, in in the thousands, wondering what was happening. Now, of course, you had your naysayers. Ah, this is some sort of group hallucination. They're all drunk and whatever. But but there were plenty in the crowd who were perplexed and were really wondering what is happening. This is a very unusual experience. And it was right then when Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, stood up and he decided to address the crowd and try to explain to them what they were experiencing. And he says in verse 15, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this was not. No, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." So Peter steps up, and the first thing he does is he quotes Scripture. Remember, this audience is a Jewish audience, and they were relatively uh, spiritually-minded Jewish people. They were there because they wanted to reconnect to their faith and renew their covenant and their, their relationship to, to, to God and, to, and through the law and, and, and their national identity as Jews. And so he quotes Scripture because that's something that they're going to respect, they're going to honor, they're going to respond to. And specifically he quotes the prophet Joel and using the prophet Joel, who was talking about a whole nother time in Israel's history, a, a, a work of God that was going on that was quite miraculous, he uses that prophecy and he says, hey, I think what's happening right now with this wind, this, this flashes of light, these, these miraculous speaking of, in languages, I think what's happening is maybe an act of God. Maybe what's going on right now is, is something of God. This is, this is the work of God. He's pouring out his spirit, not unlike what, how God poured out his spirit on the very first Shavuot that occurred some 1,500 years before this, in the time of Moses, when the people first left Egypt in the Exodus. And I'm gonna share that story with you for a minute because I think you're going to find out that there's some similarities here that are striking between what happened with the Jewish people when they left Egypt as slaves and they came to Mount Sinai and met with God and received the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments and what was happening now 1,500 years later in Acts chapter 2, 1st century, thirty thirty-three 33 AD on the day of Pentecost or Shavuot that Peter's experiencing. So let's read about the very first Shavuot, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Exodus chapter 19, verse 14. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud over the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. They stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from, from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Let me give you a little context. This is in the days of Moses. This is 1,500 years before Peter and before the, the day of Pentecost there in Acts chapter 2. The Jews had been in slavery in the land of Egypt for centuries. They were finally freed. God raised up Moses to be a leader. They were finally freed from their slavery in Egypt, and they left Egypt in a hurry, kind of all at once. That was the first Passover. That was the morning after the very first Passover. They left, and they headed eastward. They crossed the Red Sea. There's a whole story there. If you've seen the Prince of Egypt cartoon, you'll know it. The whole story right there. Then they head south and they go to Mount Sinai, all the while being led by the Spirit of God. And there they camp. And and God speaks to Moses and says, prepare the people for the third day. Now, I didn't have time, but if I was to go back through other passages in Exodus, I could show you that that was exactly 50 days after they left Egypt. The third day would have been the 50th day after they left Egypt, which is why... Shavuot is called Shavuot because it, it references the, the, the seven week period between the Exodus and the arrival of Mount Sinai or Pentecost, which means uh, uh, 50. Shavuot means, I think, seven weeks or something, I forget. But anyways, the point is, is that's when they arrived at Mount Sinai, 50, seven weeks plus one day or 50 days after the Exodus. And that's when they were told to prepare themselves for something special. Now, as I said, there's a lot of similarities between this account in Exodus and what happened to Peter and the other apostles in Acts chapter two, some 1,500 years later. Let me, let me just underline three of them. On the morning of the third day, as I said, they were both on the 50th day after Passover. There was thunder and lightning. Both of them occurred, both moments had these loud noises and these flashes of light, fire. And finally, in verse 19, there was Foreign vocalizations. The voice of God spoke in Exodus. In in Acts, the, the, the apostles could speak in foreign languages that they were unable to speak in before. There were these miraculous vocalizations. This is a watershed moment in the Jewish people's history, Exodus chapter 19, because it was the beginning of their identity as a nation. They had a set of laws and they had a God and now they were officially a nation of people. And that's why it was celebrated every year afterwards as a celebration of the giving of the law to Moses at Mount Sinai. And, a, and in many ways, it was the birth of their nation. It was like their Independence Day celebration. So you fast forward to Acts chapter 2 some 1,500 years later and there's all these Jews in Jerusalem. They're celebrating Independence Day, loosely, metaphorically meaning that. And all of a sudden, these strange things start to happen that are reminiscent from the stories of old about the very first time God met with his people. Now, some are wondering, what does this mean? Others are dismissing it. But Peter instantly recognizes these signs. And says, no, this has got to be a work of God. Something miraculous is happening right now in Acts chapter 2. God is doing something amazing. And that's kind of where we stopped in our study last time. And from there, we turned our attention to the to Simi Church. And we talked about who we are, how we got here, where we're going, things like that. And, and I had to admit that there was no fire in tongues And there was no loud noise when we started Simi Church. There were some kids screaming and there were a few people who could speak Spanish. But other than that, (laughs) there wasn't really much by way of miraculous signs. But that doesn't mean something miraculous wasn't happening. We talked about our journey and how we started out as this little group of people who thought, hey, let's have a couple meetings out here. And that eventually grew into Sundays and park services and then we bounced around at different locations and we finally settled at the hotel and then we're here. Then we talked about, hey, we now have a vision, what we wanna be in the next three to five years and how we wanna grow and see this church multiply and not just, not just uh, uh, be a, our little thing, but that's something we share and we give to our, our family and our friends and our neighbors. We want our church to be your church too, so to speak. We talked about why it matters, and we put pictures of various people up on the screen, members of the church who, who've become baptized or, or just family members of us in the church. And, and that's why we're doing this, because, because of them. And then we talked about, well, what do we got to focus on? How are we going to get to the next place? And we talked about mission love, love God and love neighbor. And I appreciate Bonnie mentioning that in the communion and the idea that we've got to prioritize God and neighbor. Those are the big rocks. They go in the, the jar first. And that's what it's going to take. Now I want to go a step further. And I want to talk about what we believe. And it all goes back to something Peter said in Acts chapter 2. When these signs were happening, this lightning, this, this thunder, these flashes of light these vocalizations. When these things were happening and he saw these going on and he immediately connected the dots between those and what had happened 1,500 years before him on on the very first Pentecost or Shavuot when they met God at Mount Sinai and they were born as a nation, so to speak. Peter started making these connections. And the first thing he said was this. This is what was spoken. The first place Peter went to understand the events of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 was to the Scripture. He didn't Google it. He didn't uh, see what people were saying on social media. He didn't consult theologians. He went straight to the Scriptures to understand what was happening on that day. You know, the first thing I would say if I was to write a cheer for Simi Church would be, I believe the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. Because that's exactly or essentially what Peter was doing when he was standing there at the birth of the church watching these miraculous signs happen. The first thing he did was go to the best source he knew to understand what was occurring. And as he was trying to make sense of all that happened, the first thing that came to his mind was Scripture. This is what was spoken. That's a reference to Scripture. He turned to the Bible and to its authority. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible is the only source of truth in the world today. That would be ludicrous. There's lots of good information in our world today. There's lots of science books and other things that are truthful and they have good information in them. I'm not saying that the Bible contains all of the truth in the world today. I'm simply saying it's the best source of truth. Let me explain what I mean. When I received my master's degree, a few years ago I went back, got my master's degree, and I was in an accelerated program. There was maybe 50 of us, and we were in a cohort, which meant that we all stayed together through the whole program, did all the classes together, did everything together. So by the end of the two years, you got to know your cohort pretty well. You were pretty close to your other classmates. And at the end of the, uh, of the two years, we had, we, had, we had passed. We were, we were all uh, uh, done, done all our orals and our, our finals and everything was over and we had kind of a final week where we spent some time together and we would talk and we got in a big circle and we were asked to share about you know ourselves a little bit what we grew in how we, what we experienced through the program and one of the questions that was asked specifically was what about you or what is it that you would bring that would be of help in a counseling scenario? Like, what is it that you offer? And to a person, the answers were generally, well, my personal experience and the education that I received. Some combination of those two things was said by just about everybody in the circle, except when it came to me, and I'm not saying this to boast by any means. I'm saying this to be very honest. I was very honest When they asked me, Joe, what is it that you bring that's unique that would be of benefit to people in a counseling situation? I said the Bible. Because for me, the Bible is an objective authority that I can compare other authorities against. You see, there's a world we live in today where authority is questioned. There is no objective standard by which we judge right or wrong. So where do, we turn to how do we, where do we turn to find out what's right and what's wrong? I have no idea. Most people say their experience and their education. Now, if you've been alive any length of time, you should know that experience and education are great, but they are not perfect. And they often can have a lot of errors in them. If you go through school, like we do in our country, from a little kid to an adult, the stuff you're going to learn is going to change. What you were taught in junior high is probably going to be different than what you were taught in high school and then in college because our our information is limited and it's evolving. And sometimes we find out what we learned was wrong and it has to get corrected, but not so with God's word. God's Word is the best source of truth in our world today. It's not all the truth. It's not the only truth. It's just the best source. When it comes to trying to understand and make sense of the world that we live in, the Bible is the best place to go. And so that's what I said. The Bible is a standard by which I can judge right and wrong and all other truths. I was proud of myself. I was all excited. I felt good that I said that. didn't really make much of a dent on them in the room. They were like, okay, whatever. And they moved on to the next guy. (laughs) But I thought it was important. So that's the first thing I'd write down. If I was to write a cheer, I believe the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. That's where it starts for me. The question I have is where does it start for you? Are you at the same starting point when you're trying to understand life, when you're trying to understand the world as it is, where do you go? What, what, what source of truth do you turn to for your information? We're starting a new year, a new decade, and a new era for ourselves, for Simi Church, and I want to call every one of us to make God's Word, the Bible, our number one source for truth. It's where it all starts. I want to challenge you to put His Word where it belongs, at the front and center, at the very beginning of all your belief and all your practice. Now I'm gonna admit that's gonna take some time, it's gonna take some commitment, it's gonna take some effort. For me, I made a resolution. My resolution, and this is embarrassing to admit, going to admit it, thank you Glenn for at least admitting that you judge God's sunrises, makes me feel better here. (laughs) But I'm going to admit that I had to make a resolution to stop spending so much time looking at memes. (laughs) It's embarrassing, I know. What's so ironic, do we all know what a meme is? I'm gonna go over to this side, because this side might not know. So a meme is kind of modern humor. It's basically like some sort of image with a caption under it, and it's usually ironic, or funny, you know, it's funny sometimes, or ironic, or whatever. But I got to tell you, memes are weird because uh, I, I, can, I can scroll for a long time just to get like one good meme. And then you're like, well, I got to find another one. And then you go for another long time. I mentioned that I have my counseling degree. There's something in counseling called intermittent positive reward. And and I think I've shared about this before, but if you don't know what intermittent positive reward is, it is what causes addiction. It is the mechanism of addiction. So you think about a slot machine. Perfect example. You go to a slot machine, and slot machines by design pay you off fairly quickly in your putting the money in, right? They're going to pay you back. Not everything, but some. And when you get a little bit back, you go, "Whoa, I got to go again. And that's how they slowly drain all of the money out of your wallet right there. Because every now and then they pay off a little. You get excited and you don't want to quit. That's addiction. That's memes, for me. <laughs> you get one good one and then you just want to find another good one. and You just keep going. I had to commit myself. I know it's hard, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm raising the bar for myself very high here, I'm setting a very high standard of godliness here, but I deleted the app off of my phone. Now that, thank you, that is commitment, thank you. And so I'm just lost at sea now, I mean if I, it's lucky, if, I, if a meme comes my way I'm grateful, I, I see it, I enjoy it, but I'm not searching them out anymore. What are you willing to commit to? What are you willing to do less of so you can do more of God's word? Hopefully it's not memes, but (laughs) something better anyways. Hopefully it's a bigger cost for you. You're a better person than I am. (laughs) But if we're going to truly do this, if that is going to truly be the first thing, first in our life, we're going to have, to make decisions and commitments to do it. You're going to have to make a decision and now is a great time to do it. Heck, it's the start of a new year. It's the start of a new decade. Let's be willing to spend less time on fill in the blank so you can spend more time in God's word or learning about God's word, or reading spiritual books, but just growing yourself spiritually. Because that's the best source of truth in our world today. So I'm going to close out. Short message today. But I want to close out and ask you to do something a little different with me. I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I would like us, like the kids in the video, to do a cheer, a cheer about what we believe. I'll be the cheerleader. You respond. I'll go first, then you echo it. And we'll do it until we get the whole statement out there. And then we're going to repeat it a bunch of times. And then we'll be done. So here we go. Are you ready? I believe. I believe the Bible is. I believe the Bible is the best. I believe the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. I believe the Bible is the best source of truth in our world Say it again. I believe the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. One more time. I believe the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. Amen. Now live like it. If you'd like to know more, we'd love to tell you more. Just ask someone that invited you out. We'd love to introduce you to the Bible if you're not familiar. But I just want to say thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for uh, joining us for this service. We hope to see a lot of you in the new year. At this time, I'm going to close us out. We're going to say a prayer, and then you'll be encouraged for some fellowship. Father, thank you so very much for this time to bring us together, for this opportunity to connect with you and to let your word be front and center in our lives. Bless our day today. Help us to leave here truly willing to put the Bible first, to let it be the best. As we know it will guide us when we need it to. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Have a great day. If you been walking the
1: same old road for miles and miles, If you've been hearing the same old voice, tell the same old lies. If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison-shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day and the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a savior, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, oh, he's a chain breaker.